0: we
1: Welcome to the True Blue LA podcast. The Dodgers are seventy four and forty with a seventeen game lead in the NL West after going five and two last week. I'm Jacob Birch, and with me as always is Eric Steven. Hello. So we're we're gonna go to an ad break real quick to start the show off, uh but you have a Cody Bellinger pace update for us before we do that.
0: He hit two home runs this last week. He had he had a streak where he didn't really hit a bunch of home runs, but He's back. He's up to 36 on the season, one behind Christian Yelich for the lead, on pace for 51 home runs and 121 RBIs.
1: We have a little bit of news from this past weekend and a lot of listener questions to get through right after this ad break. Recording this, only one-ish series since we you and I last talked, so we thought we would open up the mailbag and we're going to get to those. We've done this a few times this year so far and gotten like one question, two questions, whereas previous years we would get a ton and you weren't having that for this episode
0: yeah we we put out the feelers on sunday uh and i i wanted to i did it multiple times sunday and got questions each time so we have a jam-packed fully loaded uh, mailbag this I think week 14
1: happy that. twitter questions that's oh, what wow. we have to get through so this maybe get it get a cup of coffee bringing the kids in this is gonna be a long one. <laughs> Uh, well, few you few, cover a little bit of news, uh, Dodgers went three and one over the Padres. That was the series that we haven't really talked about Oh, with a kind of a ridiculous game on
0: Sunday. They had, uh, there was another walk off. It's their, their ninth of the year, uh, nine walk offs, ridiculous. Um, and they, I think I saw something, they have eight walk offs in their last 31 home games, uh, which is just dumb, uh. But they were um, down like six, ten to to th-
1: six to three, 10 to seven.
0: I yes, maybe. Yes. And it, it was just like, uh, and then, yeah, because it was six to three, and then they took a lead seven to six. Then it was Padres 10 seven. Uh, the Dodgers scored two in the eighth, and then two in the ninth. And the two in the ninth, I think it was against Kirby Yates, who's been like pretty much the best closer in baseball, maybe outside of, uh, you know, like Felipe Vasquez or something. But um, he's been really good, and they got him. Max Muncy hit the two-run double. Uh, Joe Davis had a pretty good call because it was like uh, he said, "How uh, what, I forgot what he said. How fast can Corey or is Corey Seeger fast enough? We'll find out, or something like that." On the call, how fast can was, Corey Seeger run? That's what it was, yeah. and the, yeah, and and so uh, uh, and then he made it, of course, and uh, that was a that was a fun ending. So they yeah they won three out of four. They're kind of rolling. Um, and it was and, just a lot of yeah.
1: weird plays. It wasn't a very good game for the home plate umpire on both sides of the ball. A lot of just weird calls, um, the weird errors in the ninth. And uh, Kirby Yates had a little case of the, the Baez slash Kenley Jansen this year. Just oh. very deliberate. A lot of talking with the catcher.
0: Right, and we'll we'll get into the the, the game prior, but yeah, <laughs> the 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 um this game was not it was a long long game. Yeah, like, you snuffed out my was, transition. <laughs> you know, sorry, it was, it was rolling along like, but yeah, you're right. Like, it, it they they were at the Saturday game time in the sixth inning, and on Sunday, and then Kirby Aids like just completely like stalled that even further at the end, like just. Taking his time between it was it was pretty crazy, but like, hey, it happens, you know. Like that, they're just maybe he's just getting Dodger Stadium fans like ready for the playoffs.
1: Well, speaking of that, much much quicker. Why don't you tell me about Walker Buehler's second best game of the year?
0: Sure. Yeah, I say you know actually, it, it, you could you could argue it was his first because like in in the so he early, uh, six due minutes 21st. longer doesn't count. Okay, I'm sorry, that's right. Well, the six minutes, yeah. It was somehow six minutes longer on Saturday, even though he gave up two fewer home runs or no one fewer home run. But uh, so yeah, June twenty first, he struck out sixteen. Um, he gave up two solo home runs to the Rockies. They won on a walk off in the ninth. He still he pitched a complete game, but when he walked off the mound, the game was still tied. Uh, Saturday night they had a lead. Um, he only gave up the run in the eighth, so he was very close to a uh, getting a shutout. But um, he struck out 15 um, on um, on Saturday, so like, <laughs> like he's just racking up these like milestone sort of games. Uh, he, it, I was looking this up like during the game. Uh, Blake Harris, our, our one of our True Blue LA writers, uh, I, he was at the game too. I was at the game, and we were sitting next to each other sort of talking about like laughing how how like great his game was, but like. Um, uh, double or two Dodger starters with two 15 strikeout games in the season. The list is two pitchers. <laughs> it's Sandy Koufax, who did it three seasons, of course, 59, 60 and 62. Um, and then Walker Bueller this year. So very select company. Also Bueller did not walk anybody in either of those games. So, uh, in the baseball history, um, There's only been three pitchers who've had two such games in a season with at least 15 strikeouts and no walks. It's uh, Walker Bueller this year, Dwight Gooden in 1984, his rookie year, the year before his sort of breakout dominant year, even though he was really good in 84 too. And then some guy named Pedro Martinez who did it twice in
1: 1999
0: and 2000. Pretty good company. Yeah,
1: decent. And I think there's only... I, the amount of games where you strike out fifteen and only walk, excuse me, don't walk anybody, is also very few and far between. I think the Dodgers have just those two, but I think it was like the fiftieth all time. Like I, I not don't 50 know players the that have I done know that.
0: Kershaw's no hitter was one. Yes. Um. yeah, but other than yeah, like they're very rare. Like uh, the the game now, like there's it's 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 more. I don't know if it's more commonplace, but like uh, it's there. Like you look at strikeout to walk ratios, like these days it's way better than a lot of previous years. So, but you did, you're just not you're just not getting yeah.
1: as many innings. I think that's one of the oh, biggest for things for
0: sure, for sure, exactly.
1: Just no opportunity to get those strikeouts. So, what a performance! But we got to move on. We got to get a lot of questions done. So let's do this. You ready?
0: Quick quick note before questions: oh. just a couple. Uh, Things literally just announced the Dodgers are going to be on ESPN uh, Sunday news. Night Baseball on September fifteenth um, uh, against the Mets. Uh, so uh, yeah, the that's, playoff uh,
1: contending Mets.
0: Mm, no. <laughs> and, and so uh, also there was a wedding at Dodger Stadium on Saturday before the Walker Buehler game, like an hour before first pitch. We were looking, and there was like this commotion in the right field pavilion, and like, oh God, there's a wedding ceremony going on. Do you think and that then, was like, sanctioned,
1: or did they just, like... Oh, went? it was for sure sanctioned, okay.
0: because they had, they, they had to, because it, just the way it worked out, and then they were, like, sort of parading around the stadium a little bit after that. They I kind of like to, the idea of
1: it not being sanctioned, and they just right? re- like they flash just, mob
0: <laughs> <Get> the
1: minister <laughs> up there.
0: That, we were trying to figure out, like, uh, how much that something like that cost, and we were figuring it was a high number. But, like, uh, at some point, they, uh, a couple, like... Um, uh, reconvene like behind home plate just for a pregame picture with the stadium in the backdrop, which was cool. And um, I don't know how long they stayed at the game. But yeah, that uh, the 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 woman actually uh, tweeted at me. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's her. But her name's Amber Cook. She was the bride said it was the uh, happiest day of her life. So that was cool. Uh, that was cool. Uh, it was very odd. And, Except uh, for but...
1: Walker Bueller's previous start.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, the, she only goes to Walker Bueller 15 strikeout games. Uh, maybe that's where he proposed. That, I, I would love it. So, uh, the other note is the playoff schedule's out. Uh, for the Dodgers, all you need to know for certain is the. I mean, they're not going <laughs> to. Let's say. No, like, like they're opening the NLDS at home. Like, that that's like a given. Whether they have the top record in the league, and then naturally, that's, I mean, come on, that's happening. But. They Let's say they could slip to two, or whatever. But um, the it's going to be Thursday, October 3rd, and Friday, October 4th are the first two home games. So NLCS opens on Friday, October 11th. World Series is Tuesday, October 22nd. And Game 7 of the World Series, if necessary, is October 30th. So everybody gets Halloween to themselves this year. That's good. Yeah.
1: All right. Can I hit you with a question? Sure. Joshua wants to know, How do you think Bueller, Ryu, and Kershaw slot into the one, two, three positions going into the postseason? Through June, I think it was a given that Ryu would start Game One, but lately he's come down to earth, and Bueller's ceiling seems higher.
0: I mean, we could we could sort of go uh, on and on all day about this. Like uh, in terms of like, there's no question Bueller has like the highest ceiling in terms of like what what he's capable of doing like at his peak right now like we just saw it like on saturday like um he has that kind of sort of dynamic stuff that said he has a lot of variance in his game too he's he's allowed uh five runs or more in a game uh, six times this year that's like the most of those three um and what did he did he say through june um,
1: it was a given, but he's come down to yeah. earth.
0: Right. So let, let me just let's unpack this for a second with Ryu. Hyunjin Ryu uh, allowed four runs in five starts in July. That's coming down to earth, apparently. Two of those were unearned, so his ERA for the month was 0. 0.55. That's not coming down to earth. That's Hyunjin Ryu still being Hyunjin Ryu. I think how they do it um, is they, they honor Ryu for having great season last year and great season this year. Last year, Ryu started game one in the NLDS. That was more for, um, it was more like a rest thing. They were fighting until the very end last year, and like the, that was just sort of the order they were at. And they didn't, if they would have had to switch those two around, Ryu and Kershaw, it would have been, it would have taken like, I think one of them would have had like seven or eight days rest or something weird. And so we also were most...
1: prioritizing an extra day of rest for Kershaw as opposed yeah, to regular rest.
0: Right. And like both of them got like 5 days rest or something. So it worked out perfectly and then Kershaw started game 1 the other two series. So I don't think we're at this point where Kershaw's the automatic game 1 right now. Ryu has pitched well enough he's he's the Cy favorite still. Um he's he's the game 1 starter for me and I think that's what they'll do and I think Kershaw gets game 2. You could obviously argue for Bueller over Kershaw. You could argue for Bueller over Ryu if you wanted to, but the variance factor, I think they still, I think they go with, barring like, you know, injury or something weird happening, I think it's pretty clearly Ryu, Kershaw, Bueller in that order.
1: And then we'll talk. Maybe we'll get it here on uh, what what the heck the fourth starter looks like. Uh, I don't know if we got a question about that, but that'll be really curious. So I'm excited we get to talk about that because I have thoughts about that.
0: Right. Well, it, yeah, we, we we actually did did get that question, didn't we?
1: I think so. If not, I'm going to ask it. <laughs> the 15th question. Uh, real quick, you, you mentioned that it was sort of an honorific to give it to uh, Ryu. Are there any other factors that would make you change that order? Is there any, whether it be ballpark factor or... Um, any sort of rest consideration, who gets to go on short rest, anything like that, that would change no, your thoughts. Nobody's
0: starting on short resting. They're not doing that anymore. Like it's just not going to happen. Okay. Um, like they, yeah. And they're going to start at home. They're going to have ability to like maneuver the rota- rotation, how they want, at least in the NLDS. So there's like, there's no way they're not going to be able to set it up how they want to. So I, I don't, I don't see that really changing unless there there's, there's like an injury concern or fatigue or something, or just uh, Ryu runs out of gas or something. I I have no idea, but I, I think it's pretty clearly Ryu Kershaw Bueller at this point.
1: Next question is from SMG. We have two from him. Difficult to answer, but who is the best bet to be the fourth start? Hey, look at that for the Dodgers in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. So, we, were, we kind of talked about this a lot, like, the last few weeks. We were talking about building the playoff roster out of the, you know, out of the bullpen, and then after they only got Adam Kolarik, like, how do they – we talked about it, how it's really three starters, and then you just figure out the other innings, uh, however they're going to do it. Um, I'm not certain they have to have, like, a um, uh, a five- or six-inning guy to start game four, and they're just going to, like, just bundle innings together. Um, but to me, like Game Four, it's Rich Hill's start until it's not. And so the latest on Rich Hill is he's uh, he's going to throw a bullpen session in three weeks. So we're this was Sunday. Uh, so we're that's that's August twenty fourth. They're still uh, angling for him to be back with the Dodgers like mid September. Is I don't know if that's enough time for him to like build up to start. But if he's like a four inning guy to start a game, they would probably roll with that and then follow with um, Urias or if, if, like, Gonsolin makes the roster or um, or if one of these other guys makes it or Stripling can do multiple innings, I think they'll just – they'll figure it out after after Hill or if Hill's not available or if Hill's a, more of a one-inning reliever or, or a two-inning reliever. I think they, they'll just figure it out somehow. I think if I had to guess the order, um, we don't really know. We'll see with Urias. Like, we'll probably know because they'll they'll probably have him start a few games in September if if that's how they plan to use him. Otherwise, they'll keep him in the pen. But I think it's probably, like, Hill, then Stripling, then Urias is a guess for me. Um, but there's still, like, a lot of time left to sort of figure that out. It's really, like, who's healthy and pitching the best, um, like towards the end of September.
1: There's a name you're leaving out, but I'm reading ahead now and we do yeah. have a question about it. So I'll, I'll let, right. I'll let that Twitter person mysterious Twitter person answer it later. Next question for also from SMG. Do you anticipate that the Dodgers will, let the starting pitcher go deeper in playoff games than they have in the past?
0: Yeah. So um, yes. And it's, and it's not like, I know Dave Roberts, his rep is like, he's captain hook basically. And especially with like Rich Hill, we've seen it. Um, but like, I look at this like, so they have a pretty clearly defined top three, uh, in Ryu, Kershaw, Euler. So last year, right, those four, or those three made 64 starts, they averaged 5.94 innings per start. This year, they're averaging 6.39 and it's in 61 starts. So, like, uh, R- Ryu and Kershaw are near the top in MLB in like innings per start. Uh, Kershaw, this is another reason why I think those two go one and two. They've more, they're more consistent. Like, Kershaw has gone six innings every – at least six innings all uh, 19 of his starts. So – and like I said, more variance with Bueller. Um, So that's probably why he's game three. But then if you look at the – just Maeda and Hill, there's been a lot of other starters like Stripling and Urias and others. But if you just look at Maeda and Hill, this – last year in the regular season, 5.57. This year, 5.23 uh first innings per start so there's more of a a willingness from roberts to like pull those two early i think than the other three and i think they're going to ride the other three as much as they can so i think that's what it's going to come down to in october um they they go with the three starters and then they figure out the innings and i think the way they'll set up the playoff roster is since they didn't get like all um you know, necessarily like a a shutdown reliever at the deadline or something like that. I think you're going to see maybe a few more multi-inning options uh, available in the pen, and that'll help them sort of bundle these innings together for the rest of the, the series.
1: Brandon asks, late double aside, Jock has been basically unplayable since June. Do you see his playing time against righties being diminished
0: soon? Okay, so he was in an over twenty four uh, slump before he had a lead off double to start the ninth. He was subsequently thrown out at third on a fantastic play by Eric Hosmer. Um, it it almost it nearly killed the rally, but it did not because they just kept uh, kept going. Uh, but yeah, so since the beginning of June, uh, fifty one games, forty starts for Jock, one eighty six, two sixty five, three twenty three. Ba- you know, basically like. Austin Barnesian, if if not, maybe a little better. Um, that that includes five weeks of the first base experiment, which is now over. By the way, um, I think that happened uh, since the, the, the our last record, as short as it was. Um, they're they're going to stick Jock only in the outfield now. They, that experiment's over. Um, Bellinger is going to play more first. So the thing with Jock, so. Right now, the Dodgers have faced 78 righties this year. Uh, Jock started 75 of those games. More than Bellinger and Muncie, uh, those uh, each started 74 against righties. Um, and Verdugo started 61, and Turner, 59. Turner's been, you know, hurt off and on, so he gets more days off. And Jock is, like, the only time he starts is against righties, so you could see why. They're, they they rely heavily on him against righties. And for a good reason he has a history of hitting righties his on the season is uh when wrc plus is 122 um verdugo for instance is 111 but like he mentioned since june 1st that wrc plus against righties is only 58 which is very, very terrible um but i think i think he still gets sort of the rope here until like they have a reason to to change like Uh, He's not they're not going to necessarily like bench jock for Matt Beatty, you know, outside of maybe an occasional start or something. Um, It really is going to take like um, Chris Taylor and or Kiki Hernandez or both to come back because we talked about this like near the All-Star break. um, And Chris Taylor like hurt his wrist like that first weekend, the playoff that that crunch was going to come. The playing time crunch was going to come once they had to make a choice um, between like one of Jocker Verdugo sitting every day plus one of uh, Taylor and Kike sitting every day, and that and then uh, they had a DH that opened that first weekend in Boston, so that they didn't really have to make that all the the hard choices yet. They'll have to start making those choices once those guys return. Um, so I think they still like the Dodgers are facing. Uh, five right-handed starters. The rest of this homestand in six games, so I think Jock probably starts all five, and I think they're just going to ride him for a little bit, and then unless unless they have a substantially like better option, I think they're just going to roll with him um, against righties um, until he either improves or they have a, they have other options they're willing to go to.
1: And we talked about this a little bit when constructing the bullpen. The Dodgers have the luxury of giving guys rope not running out the absolute best lineup to try and win a game to try and see especially a hitter like jock who is notoriously streaky has been basically his whole career to see if they can kind of get him back on a hot streak heading into the playoffs i think that probably does end as you mentioned after uh either when you have a um all the guys coming back from injury and you need to find playing time for them. And just in general, when you're trying to get that the final roster set and get in playing times to the guys, you think you're going to make the roster. Um, I would add, I think not that it's a direct one for one, but just in terms of roles for hitters, uh Jerko to the list, if he shows something that he could kind of, I, I could see jumping jock if jock doesn't get hot again. Um So yeah, they've got, it seems like sort of like, five slots for six or seven guys and who gets it at the end I think we're not going to really know until September.
0: Right, there there's a lot of like uh there there's going to be a lot of like throwing stuff against the wall the next couple months and seeing mm-hmm. kind of what sticks.
1: And, the, and again, the Dodgers with a 17 game lead, sure they would like to go for uh World Series um home field advantage, but if they really think the front office thinks that the best way to determine what that best team is, is to try maybe some of this suboptimal roster maneuvering, they're going to do it.
0: Nice. All
1: right. We've got eight eight or so more questions uh, after huh. this ad break. Lala Dreamin asks with full crowd, with a full slash crowded 40 man, eventual returns of Taylor and Kike and 60 day, uh, DLers, ILers, I should say, uh, Jerko and Hill, how do they manage the fringes? White is an easy candidate, I assume for letting go of the roster, but at what point are guys there to eat frames like Garcia, Shaggy, Schultz, and Trouble, or do the magical 60 day slots arise?
0: So, yeah, there's a couple things at play here. We talked last week about how they might slow play some of these injuries until, like, September just because of the roster crunch, but, like, it's what it sounds like is david freeze is who's like a hamstring/knee um there he's a guy who's who's dave roberts i think said like probably not going to be here till september so he's like the one they're just going to wait yeah, on they
1: know what they have in him
0: right exactly so uh but it sounds like taylor and pique are both like going to be back before then i think they're going to be on a rehab assignment by this coming weekend so they're in line for maybe a couple weeks away so that's when, like we said, that's when the, the sort of the questions start to come. They're just, it's a simple activation um, for them. It's not like a 40-man issue, but Jed uh, Jerko's already on a rehab assignment. He's probably going to be the first one back. He is on the 60-day DL. So that's an issue. Um, he mentioned Tyler White being an easy candidate, and honestly, I think that's kind of a one-for-one swap there. Um, uh, Tyler White and Chris Christopher Negron are out of options. Um, but, uh, you could, you could see when like Jericho's ready, like Tyler White hasn't really done much. He can really only play first. Um, he fills a role in that he's the righty first baseman, uh, with David freeze out. But if he's not really hitting and he's in a, you know, he's had a bad year, like he's an easy, like DFA guy, if they need 40 man space, but like I said, they also have, uh, you know, Jamie Schultz on the 40 man. Um, they, like, Yemi Garcia is someone you could easily, like, DFA, like, um, maybe they they want to keep him, but, um, that, I think that's probably the, the likely move for Jerko. The other 40-man spot they'd have to create is for Hill in September, and then we, and, you know, possibly, like, Gavin Lux, but, like, there's, there's enough, like, sort of chaff on the, on the roster that they could, they could sort of do without, um, if they really had to the other option and we have a question about him later but Yadier Alvarez he's been injured since April. Um, he's on the 40 man they could call him up and then put him on the 60 day injured list so he'd get um, service time for however long he's on the injured list or um, but uh, and he'd get paid a major league salary um, but that would create space for someone they need whether it's Hill, whether it's Lux. Or whatever. Um but yeah, I don't there's they're not that uh they, they still have some flexibility with the forty man. Now with the active roster, that's where like you said, it gets it gets creative. They like they just optioned Dylan Floro the other day. Um like Yemi doesn't have options. Shagwad does. Um so like when I think when like Taylor and PK are back, um assuming like White goes for Jerko. Like, you see, you'll see Matt Beatty go, um, and then then it becomes a question of, uh, you know, there's probably going to be someone hurt by then because it always happens <laughs> that way. But so, like, it's, it's weird to, like, look forward two weeks, but um, that's that's really when the decision is going to come, who comes off the active roster. And is it a point in the schedule where they have enough off days to where they can go with the seven-man pen for, like, like four days or a week or something? they tend not to do that, but I'm just trying to think of how they would sort of get around it. But uh, I think they'll, they'll find a way. I don't think it's that uh, difficult.
1: Twitter user Nope, OPE wants to know which Dodger pitchers, which Dodgers pitcher is most out of line with the per- peripherals, either good or bad.
0: So I was looking at this, like the most quote unquote lucky. If we're just, if I just went to like ERA and FIP, like just as a, as a quick, uh ballpark uh thing here <laughs> yunjin ryu is like uh up there with he's at 153 era but a 285 fip so like he's otherworldly era s- still like amazingly good with a FIP. but it's he, he not...
1: normally has kind of that that sort of a differential right
0: yeah he doesn't allow hard contact a lot so like that's that's part of it um and like look it's uh not to like downplay his season or anything, it's still been ridiculously great. So um, that's part of it. The, the weirdest one for me is Yimmy. Uh, he's at a three eighty six ERA, but a 554 fifth. Now, a big part of that is he's allowed 11 home runs on the season. Um, but if you look, he, he's only allowed eight singles. He's allowed eight doubles and eight singles and 11 home runs. So, like, But then, so on one hand, you could see why his peripherals say he should have a lot worse numbers. But then if you look at his like uh, exit velocity and things like that, his expected batting average is 169 based on like exit velocity and things like that. That's the top 1% of the league. That's per stat cast. And his, uh, expected Woba is 253. His actual is 285. So on that end, he's actually unlucky, which is very odd. So he's had a very weird year. Um, but, yeah, I just think he, he gives up too many home runs uh, that tend to hurt him. Um, Rich Hill's another guy. He's only had 10 starts, 255 ERA, 416 FIP. But, again, he's also in the top 1% in uh, exit velocity and the top 3% in hard hit rate in terms of he, they just don't hit the ball hard on him so far this year. So that's good. Unlucky pitchers, there's not a ton um, – the real they're they're kind of tied in the difference between ERA and FIP. Uh, Bueller uh, is 3.23 ERA, 2.99 FIP. Uh, you can see why with like the high strikeouts, he really doesn't walk anyone anymore. So that's that's why. Kenley Jansen uh, 3.59 ERA, 3.36 FIP. So uh, on some respects, uh, a little unlucky. Uh, but yeah, not, nothing too outrageous, like one way or the other. Yimmy is the weirdest one, and it's, it's kind of hard to figure out.
1: Jorge wants to know besides the bullpen what are other issues either internal or external that could void a world series for the Dodgers
0: There's so many uh a they have a op- they have opponents they're playing What like, like, like literally like if you look at it now like the Nationals could end up being the wild card and then all of a sudden like the Dodgers who have the best record in the National League or maybe baseball at that point um will have to face a, a series where they face Scherzer, Strasburg and Corbin like the Nationals are are a good team, like with a like a sort of a playoff built rotation, so that's that's a tough uh, matchup for anyone, you know. So you could see that situation. And look, like the Nationals haven't won a playoff series. I get it, uh, but you you know you just if you keep giving yourself chances, you might. So something like that could happen. But like it, um, everyone talks about the bullpen, like you mentioned. But um, if you just look the last two World Series. Um, in the 2017 World Series, the Dodgers scored the same amount of runs as the Astros, 34. It was 4.86 per game. But in the World Series that year, the Dodgers hit 205, 290, 393. Um, in, the, in last year's World Series, they were even more anemic, uh, 180, 249, 302. They averaged 3.2 runs a game last year, and that was with a game that went 18 innings. So it was really much worse than that. So their hitting could just disappear at the worst possible time, and that will cost them uh, whether or not their bullpen pitches badly. But I, I think that's basically your what you're looking at.
1: Yeah, cold offense was going to be my, my number one guess. And, you know, I think a lot has been written that maybe that has to do with the Dodgers' approach. And some has been written this year on they they're trying to address that. Um, but in a lot of ways, it's just baseball. Sometimes you just the guys streak poorly, especially when you're going against really good pitching, which is what you're going to face in the playoffs. So they've, they've
0: cut down their strikeouts this year. They've cut down their chase rate. They they're doing everything like you would expect, like um, a good team to sort of do the the what the Astros kind of did in 17, and what the Red Sox did last year. So they're kind of on that track in terms of you, you would think they would do do better in the postseason, but you know. Maybe maybe slug you know something with a four uh, or maybe a five in the in a World Ooh. Series and then maybe win. But yeah, so yeah, I think that's, that's sort of, also the starting pitching wasn't good in last year's World Series, uh, so that hurt him too. So it wasn't just the bullpen.
1: I've said it before. My favorite name on Twitter, True for Daners, tweets hmm. with Stripling getting ready for a rehab assignment. How important is big red Dustin made to the playoff roster? I don't see any reason to restrict his innings and I can see how he has at least one more start with the big club after Wednesday.
0: Yeah, that that's a maybe. So he, Dustin May made his major league debut. He's another guy with ridiculous stuff. Uh, kind of like Tony Gonsolin, but maybe even better. His, he, uh, Dustin May has a sinker that like topped out at like 98 and it, it moves man. Like it's a two seam fastball, but it like it, that, like you shouldn't be able to have a pitch move like that when it's 98 miles an hour um but he does and he has just just red just flowing red hair and he's all lanky on the mound it's it's pretty fun to watch pretty exciting he pitched well he ended up uh roberts kind of kept him in a little longer than i think usual but i think it was one of those like let's see what the kids got let's pitch him in a tough situation type of thing he gave up three straight hits to tie it they kept him in he ended up giving up a two-run double and he lost but um he's getting another start wednesday against the cardinals um after that, like, this is where the rotation's in limbo. So right now, uh, oh, I forgot to tell you, also Hyunjin Ryu went on the DL uh, after Hi, his I'll... start last week. Oh, yeah, damn it.
1: I'll get, I'll just, get you there. You
0: doing that. <laughs> so, uh, so right now, like, Gonsolin is starting tonight. Um, uh, Dustin May starting Wednesday. Technically, Ryu could come off the DL and start Sunday. They also have an off-day Monday, so you could see a scenario where they would use that to give him the off-day. Maybe Gonsolin gets another start. And then Stripling is doing a rehab assignment Tuesday with Rancho. Uh, he's completely healthy from his biceps thing, and he had a neck thing too, all healed. Um, so with Stripling, it's just a choice of, do they want him back in the rotation or in the bullpen? So I th- I think they would go Stripling in the rotation, probably. Uh, but we'll see. I-, I don't really know. Um but that's so I think like Gonsolin and May, like after this week, um, I think we'll see them back in September. But I don't know if they get another start beyond this week.
1: Do you remember being in like middle school, elementary school, writing your like early essays? And they stress the importance not to just keep using the same word over and over and yes. you break out the source. I'm finding I'm there with asks. Oh. I have ask, I have wants to know. So I'm, I'm, I'm. I've looked up some different ones. Rich, <laughs> Richard queries: Will nice. Gavin Lux get a shot at making the team this year?
0: I mean, yes, just because he he's like he's done uh, so well, like you almost can't ignore it. Um, so like, but it's it's a September thing, really. It's a matter of if, like, he's a long shot to make like a playoff roster, but you could see where they want to, they might want to give him um just some some time in september to sort of get acclimated um so I, I don't know we'll we'll see i, I think he does it's a 40 band thing like we mentioned but they they have they they do have some room if they want to add him it's not that big of a deal so I think he's a definite possibility um but I think it's more for a september experience and not someone who's going to be uh, like auditioning necessarily for a playoff
1: yeah, we already talked about how deep that sort of the fringes of the bench look, assuming everyone comes back healthy. So yeah, bearing like a really po- like poor injury streak, or he just has the hottest September ever. And then maybe you right. start thinking about it. But outside of that, um, I agree with you. So Andrew quizzes how many home runs does he have to hit before Will Smith is allowed to pick his own walk up music?
0: So he already has six uh Will Smith is up to 19 RBIs in 17 games. He actually had that through, I think, 14 games. So a very slumping last three games for Will Smith. Uh, But yeah, six home runs. So he's been coming up to the Fresh Prince of Bel Air theme song at Dodger Stadium. I think it's one of those things where he's just like whatever. Like he doesn't. He's sort of good natured about it. Um, But let's say he has six home runs. Um, He he has to get to 11, and then I think that's when. That's when he can make
1: the call. Any brand is a good brand. Take the PR, get get, get your name out there <laughs> <laughs> to the national audience. It'll be good. It'll help you sell sneakers or something later. So, what do baseball like sandwiches? You know, the, you know the NBA players get these massive shoe deals. Is it just I Subway? Is it. Subway who's giving out? <laughs> Think of all the sandwiches, Will Smith. You can eat if you keep your strong pun
0: brand going. But what if, hmm, what if, what if he chose a brand theme song as his walk-up music as part of the deal? What,
1: what do but you like, mean? do brands
0: oh, really yeah. have a theme songs? Like, yeah,
1: I mean, Subway's got like a little know. jingle. <laughs> it's just the what jingle if, for thirty seconds. Yeah, it could work. What if just every time he, what came if Will out, Smith like, is his sponsor? Well, or the actor Will Smith.
0: Yeah, I like that or idea. Whatever movie thinking,
1: he's got coming out.
0: Like it's it's just like the tra- the trailer for Gemini Man, like that, <laughs> that's what that's, the, that's
1: what baseball needs to do. Uh, um, logos on uniforms, but not team logos. Players get to individually pick who they're sponsored oh,
0: by. Player, I like it, and uh, oh yeah, I think players' weekends coming up too. Maybe they can get creative with that.
1: Fishfin seeks to know what the hell yeah. happened to Yadier Alvarez. He was once a top prospect and now he's not even on their top 30 list. Did he fall off the face of the earth?
0: Not as far as I know, not fall, not, uh, he hasn't fallen off the face of the earth, but he just hasn't developed. Like he's still like, uh, he still throws ridiculously hard. He just has no idea where it's going is the basic sort of scouting report there. Probably he's only made two starts this year. Uh, I was reading up on this. There hasn't been a ton of info on this, uh, Ron Cervenka at Think Blue LA, he talked about um, him like I think he was uh, Yardier was starting to get back into it in June. He still hasn't pitched though. So, uh, but he mentioned elbow stiffness is the reason why he's been out. Ken Gurnick had an article in spring training about Alvarez sort of trying to make a uh, keep this sort of prospect status alive, and uh, he he mentioned this thing where uh, in spring training uh, Alvarez was using he called it a. A rubber contraction linking his right hip to his ankle. The idea being keep to keep his delivery consistent. That's been a problem with Alvarez. Um, and, and it's really hurt him in terms of performance and, and injuries. Uh, he missed two months last year with a groin injury as well. So I think it's, it's just a mix of like really hasn't developed like they thought and injuries. Uh, but yeah, he's another guy we mentioned. They could call him up and put him on the 60-day to just create a roster space. So that's, that's his biggest role for the 2019 Dodgers right now.
1: Got one more ad break, but we're through the Twitter. We're through the Twitter questions. We've got some questions from Craig left, but we do have to take a a commercial. Are you excited that we got through that?
0: I'm so excited right now. Can you tell in my voice?
1: I can. So we've got four questions from Craig right after this. Okay, uh, he actually uh, Craig sends us five questions every week, but one of them actually got invalidated because we already answered it. Which I, I'm honestly surprised we only got one invalidated. We still <clears> have four good questions. You know, another weird thing: every question we got from Twitter was baseball related. Normally, there's one or two oddballs.
0: Yeah, I think when I ask, I ask for Dodgers questions. I usually say Dodgers or other anything, but like, I think some people will just take it upon themselves to ask like a random thing but, yeah i kind of like the occasional random question as well
1: you know we have life outside of baseball
0: uh speak for yourself mister
1: first question is for you since the dodgers likely won't be taking on enemy contracts this season where do they stand with their cbt and how can kershaw and maeda's bonuses affect that
0: okay so like i haven't been like maniacal on the, the keeping up the payroll worksheet uh, like usual, I, I was I have notes on some of the trade deadline stuff. Uh, I think roughly where they're at right now is is like somewhere in the neighborhood of like two hundred and two million uh, at the Cbt number. Uh, so the the deal that was like best for them was the the Jericho deal because he he actually makes thirteen million this year um but his cbt number because it was the six-year deal it was just under six million so like from now until the from the trade till the end of the season they took on in from cbt perspective 1.9 million they gave away about eight hundred fifty thousand in singrani's cbt number so that they gained about a million in cbt but they also are getting about 2.9 million from the cardinals so They actually lopped off nearly $2 million from their total, like, uh, CBT number in that deal, even if it wasn't quite that way in actual cash. Uh, So, Maeda still, like, uh, what is he at? Let's see. Um, So, Maeda has 22 starts. He's probably going to make, I think it's a safe assumption to say he'll make three more. That's another million and a half. For him. And then Kershaw has bonuses. Um, He is. He's at 19 starts. So of course the page isn't loading. I think his bonuses are 24, 26, and 28 starts. Um, And of course they're not loading right now. So that would put him close. But like I said. Mine's only an approximation. But I would imagine they're going to be like. Right up against the CBT. If not like just under it. But um, I, I can't say for certain exactly where they're at.
1: The record for most double-digit doubles in a season by the L.A. Dodgers is, is in 2005 with 13 players. Two questions. One's for me, and I'm nervous about it. But the first question, can the Dodgers this year match that
0: feat? Uh, man, double-digit doubles. Um, so Jock Peterson has nine. So they're How many already are they at, at uh, 7, 8. They're at 10. Okay. So Peterson's at 9. So he'll, he'll get there. Pollock's at 6. Will Smith is at 6. And then, um, okay, uh, after that, like, the next, the next highest is 3 <laughs> um, with Russell Martin. So it's really, like, it takes those three guys uh, unless uh, – Okay, unless uh, Gavin Lux comes up and hits ten doubles in September, uh, let's let's just but, say that. So I have them at um, I have
1: ten players currently. So
0: Will Smith between now and then.
1: Are you not right. counting Austin Barnes?
0: Oh uh, yeah, did I say nine?
1: I th- I thought so, but maybe not. So they okay, can tie yeah. it, right?
0: It's ten. They can tie it. Uh, will they? Pollock. Tie it? I think
1: Pollock and Will Smith got four doubles in them.
0: Eh, probably. Mm. Yeah. Let okay. Fine. Yeah. We'll sure. Tie it. It, they'll tie it. Okay.
1: So there's a second part to this question, but we have I have to confess a little thing. We we're recording this part. At, I don't know five hours after we recorded the first part, we finished the recording. It was really great. Lots of laughs. Some really riveting, emotional radio. But we uh we lost your track, Eric. So it's just me I talking to myself.
0: I would say we we lost a lot of audio gold. We we really hit some nerves. We uh we touched on a lot of taboo topics and uh, it's just a shame that audio is lost. A lot of
1: swearing. If we we could have ran with it, uh, if you. <laughs> I was trying to fix it. You can just barely hear your vocals uh, through my monitors. <laughs> so you could be really, really, really loud. Uh, when I'm not being uh, talking, you might be able to hear Eric. But figured read redo this. It, it's especially a shame on this particular part of the question because it was a trivia question meant for me, and um, we already <laughs> went through it. But I think there's a way I can make it still a trivia question. Uh, so the question is. Can I name seven of the thirteen players in two thousand five who hit ten or more doubles for the Dodgers? Um, and, and just
0: for the record, you know, during that recording, you did name seven.
1: I just you, barely you, you got gave, there.
0: You gave yeah. You, you, know, you gave yourself. Uh, you said if you got two wrong, you you'd be out, and you. You yeah, had one te- wrong. Technically four because kind of-
1: I looked up two players before we started recording because they were really bothering me. We got the question yeah. late last night, and I literally couldn't go to sleep until I looked two players up. That's uh, a problem. That, yeah. was, that was Russell Martin, who I, I had convinced myself rookie year was a year earlier than it was, and um, yeah. Juan Encarnacion, who I was convinced had an extra year on his deal uh, when he was traded from the Marlins, and I was wrong. Uh, the names. So here's, here's how we're going to make this a trivia question again, Eric. I'm going to try to name all 13. I heard all 13 names literally 5 hours ago. I still don't think I can name all 13. But and
0: can... and we I we named a few that were close and so like that could be confusing your brain at the moment like so yeah. you probably have 17, 18 names rattling in there maybe. So my other so, so
1: my other yeah. guesses were Jeff Kent, JD Drew, Hesop Choi, Cesar Cisneros, Almeida Signs, Milton Bradley, Oscar Robles. Those were the 7 that I got.
0: Uh, you actually, I think you just only named six just
1: now. Oh, right. you you Uh, said, Kent Kent
0: signs Robles.
1: No, I got seven. Kent drew Hesop Choi, Cesar Asperis, Almeida signs Milton uh, Bradley, Oscar. Oscar, I was missing one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so we're at seven. So those are the seven, and uh, I missed on Dear Navarro who hit nine. I'll have you know, you were you took a lot of delight in telling me that. And then my other whiff was Juan Pierre, who wasn't on the team.
0: Yeah, he signed in. His first year was 07.
1: So that means I have so to you, name, you. <laughs> uh, I have to more. try to name six more. So you and I joked, uh, the The key aspect I forgot about 2005 was it was the year of the Jasons. So I know I can get three right away. Jason right. Wirth. Yes. Jason Repko. Yes. And Jason Phillips.
0: Yeah, and and we we talked about this during the other recording. There was a fourth Jason on the team, Jason Grabowski, who had uh, 124 plate appearances on the 2005 Dodgers, zero doubles,
1: <laughs> four home runs, so
0: yeah, and uh, and 10 walks. So he, ten times the Grabowski principle was violated, and uh, there we go. So you're so you're at 10. And I you remember
1: have... Antonio Perez.
0: Right. The yeah, the other guy traded for Andre Ethier, and um, I.
1: It's literally the other, I can't come up with that. It's, well,
0: and it's the other two, uh, also known as like uh, American League left fielders. I'll give you a hint.
1: Um. Nope. I'm just going to quit. Too late at night.
0: Okay. So uh, Ricky Lede. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Can you believe that he was at Dodger okay. Uh and Jose Cruz Jr. Yeah.
1: As soon as you said Lede, I got Cruz. <laughs> right,
0: it's like they go together. And it's so um, funny cuz
1: I think my I think it must have been this year cuz that definitely all those uh maybe not, maybe it was what was Lede on the team another year?
0: Um I possibly
1: No, no, it was this year. There were I had dugout club seats. One game it had to have been this year. Ricky right Lede here. hit a home run. Uh Albert Pujols had a home Part run. Of it was as well. It was here I can it was Jonathan Broxton's major league debut. So there you go. All right. Um,
0: he he was the one of the Jacksonville five who debuted in 05.
1: Yeah. So there you go. hopefully I, I hope I wonder I wonder how many our listeners got probably more than me.
0: but the other super close one uh, besides the owner Navarro was Mike Edwards, who is if you had to drop anyone uh, like an alien and to explain the 2005 Dodgers. Just bring up the name Mike Edwards and, like, that should tell you a lot. He had nine doubles.
1: So the next question is, is Will Smith destined to end closer to Pedro Guerrero's rookie year in 1980, which is a slash line of 322, 359, 497, and 199 plate appearances, or Matt Kemp's 2006 line, 253, 289, 448, and 166 plate appearances?
0: Like I'm torn here because I don't think Smith is going to hit 300 necessarily. I mean, he's off to like the the great start already, but like I also don't think he's going to uh, have an on base percentage of like 2 270 or whatever Kemp's was. So I'm, I have to lean toward Guerrero here just because of Smith's fast start. He's hitting 320 now, but with an 800 slugging percentage and 375 on base. So uh, I think it's going to be closer to Guerrero than Kemp.
1: Yeah, I agree. Final question. I grew up eating tacos made with fried corn tortillas. Now a lot of tacos are served on a small flour tortilla. I think both tortillas have their plus and minuses. What is your preferred taco tortilla? So we ended the recording with you going to go make tacos. Did you make tacos?
0: I did. And uh, full disclosure, I made uh, four of them uh, on flour tortillas, which are the the ones I generally use when I'm at home, uh, mostly for, um, you know, Structural integrity when I'm making it myself. Um, so, you know, the, if you get corn tortillas, they tend to break. And and uh, but like we I, I wanted to preface this I'd preface before. All tacos are wonderful. Um, hard shell, soft shell, what, what have you. But I think over the years, I've come to know that I think the taco in its finest form is like uh, a street taco with a tiny. Uh, corn tortilla possibly doubled up and just a load of meat and then uh, some accoutrements in there like uh, you you said you don't like cilantro but possibly some uh, pico de gallo or onions and cilantro or tomatoes or whatever but mostly meat and then just a load of salsa and you're pretty much good to go i think that's my favorite form of taco but all all tacos to be are, are very very good
1: and yeah, we came with a very similar answer in that. I, it's interesting that you say corn is the best, but you went with flour. But I think that's just how it is. Flour is more; it's almost more comforting to me. I don't know if that how how gringo of that, <laughs> of of me that is, but it it just uh, it holds more food. It you know when you really just kind of got to pick out. But when I was, uh, I have a I'm allergic to cilantro, but I didn't always used to be. And when I was yeah. not the like you said the small corn tortilla street tacos nothing better nothing more authentic nothing more delicious so
0: i think i want to give myself a little bit of an out here because part of the reason i bought the fajita size uh flour tortillas was because i can easily more easily make a quesadilla with those so like if i'm not making a taco hey look at this i have cheese i have a tortilla i can make a, I can make a quick quesadilla um and it's i think it comes out a little better in a flour tortilla so Mm -hmm. um, i'm giving myself that out there
1: and before we sign off, I do want to shout out to Mexicali Tacos on Figueroa, which, whose ta- all of their tacos have cilantro in it, but most of their items, including the Vampiro garlic quesadilla, uh, do not. So having a really authentic-tasting Mexican place that I'm allowed to eat at uh, warms my soul. So check them out if you're in L.A. and wanting some delicious cilantro-free Mexican food.
0: Sweet. Uh, yeah, enjoy your tacos, everybody. We'll uh, talk to you next week.